Sea trip. Yes. Welcome to Serato Unscripted. Yeah. How this, are you? I'm great, man. This has been a long time coming. How are you? Great. Yeah. It's... You're you're one of the best moderators that I've seen. One of the best question askers. Oh, man. Yeah. No, it is. It's, I, I I you know I watched a couple. I was like ah checking them out. You're really good, man. You're really <laughs> thorough. You're you're well balanced, even. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, it's great having you here. I know we've talked about having you here for a long time, so uh, having you on the show is really important. Um, we've had a long relationship, not just you and I, but Serato as well. Yeah. Um, when And I know we just did our 20th anniversary, which you were a big part of as well. Mm-hmm. But um, just quickly tell us, like, tell me what was your first experience like with Serato? Uh, well, I mean, let's see, first experience was, uh, was really, I mean, if you want to take it even back, was, was pitch and time. Right as a plug-in, I was familiar with with the concept of what was going on um, prior to like uh, people diving into the the DJ world. So to me, that was um, it was interesting when all of a sudden, you know, here comes this product along the lines that you know allows you to manipulate and and sort of. At first, I was like, why would you want to do that? At the very first, it's like it does you know you we've got records, but then I was like, oh wait, I see the bigger picture. And then once it was implemented in actual DJ sets, and you started to see. You know, and mess with it, and put your hands on it. It was like, oh, this is this is game changer. Like this is revolutionary. So it was, you know, from the from the start. I was also one of those people who was like, you know, I remember messing with it, and there was latency, and I was like, I ain't messing with this until like the latency worked out. And once that was worked out, I was like, I have n- no reason to not mess with this. Like that was it. They nailed the thing that I was worried about, and you know, and then it, you know, then it became progressive issues of like being at a club and having the you know, USB dropout or computer crash or whatever, you know, hiccups that like, that was all new frontier because it was such a brand new thing. And it was so um, out front that, you know, you have to have that and also have, you know, create a records with you. And there was moments where it was like both, I'm bringing this new prototype thing out into the universe, testing it out. And it's like, shit, it crashed in front of, you know, everybody peak. So yeah. It's like to be able to pull out a record and hard reset. There's a, there's a funny, um, I have a funny story, actually, where that happened when I won America's Best DJ. And so, you know, I got the gold mixer, was starting my first um, residency at the Palms in Vegas. Paul Oakenfold is, is, is basically handing it over to me. He's like, hey, uh, you know, here's our new guy, America's Best DJ. He's going to have a residency here. I was like, great. I get up there and I'm about maybe four or five records into it. And my... Um, computer crashes just dies in, in mid song and i was like thank god i just grabbed the mic got on the mic I was like hey how y'all feeling and they're like yeah and as they're doing that i'm like hitting holding hard reset on the mac digging into my bag pulling out my jackson 5 uh want you back remix turning it from analog to digital i'm sorry digital to analog lifting up left-handed holding the hard hold down you guys feel good great like eyeballing it like hopefully i'm kind of nailing it hitting play and then i was like all right we're gonna do this and like started the want you back remix and it felt like it was just something like I just stopped and was super hyped and was wanted to talk to the crowd and play the song. And so that's happening. But as I'm holding this down, it, you know, back then it would take sometimes, you know, eight minutes for Serato to load. It would just take forever because it was just loading, loading, loading. And I had a whole bunch of crates and big iTunes library. So there's all those issues. But the problem was I only had one vinyl record with me because that didn't really happen that often. But it, clearly the night that I'm in front of everybody... So the, the, the band is shrinking down to like the very tail end of the song. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So I just pulled the, song, the, the volume down. I was like, you guys feeling good? They're like, yeah. And I picked up the needle and just arbitrarily <laughs> dropped it like closer to the top and just pulled it back up and it bought another four minutes. And it's like, cool. So that thing finally loaded. And I was able to load 
the same song uh, on Serato, mix out of it, and grab the control vinyl, go back to digital, and keep it moving, and you know, put the vinyl away. And I remember like just being like, "Holy shit, I got to get through this." All eyes are on me. But I remember also looking back and like my squad and a couple of people were back there, like, "What the fuck is what is what's going on?" It was like you had to sort of know how to navigate through issues like that. But I remember that happening like, like right when the spotlight was on me and it's like, here, here's, we're introducing him to this thing. It's the it was best like, DJ oh, in the world. fuck. <laughs> so, um, you know, Serrano's it's been great, but there have been obviously so many hiccups along the way and moments where you just want to pull your hair out. But like, like anything, like any new technology, if you ride that sort of wave, eventually you find calmer waters. But like, there were some moments where I was, you know, I know. Yeah, I know. I called you like, you know, I remember one time I loaded something. It was like, I hit something. I called you. I was like, oh my God, dude, my whole shit's broken. How do I fix this? And we're like, I got to go on in 20 minutes. And we're like, try this. Okay, reload that. Save that. Copy, paste that. I was like, ah, you know. But we got it. Nailed it. We got it. Figure it out. You just touched on something, though, that's really interesting. And it, it's from a scene in the movie Scratch where you were talking about, it just reminded me because you said I had to bring the needle back. Yeah. There's no cue points on actual vinyl records. No. So you can't. No jump back very easily you have to lift it off but um it was a really great scene where you're talking about you know how there's you know an instrumental part of a record and the dj typically would speak or mc over the instrumental part of the record and you do this great demonstration of that yeah and i, I was i was i just wanted to get into that kind of world a little bit because i know you're a avid record collector yeah you have a lot of records um do you feel like a lot of people don't understand those kind of like some of those really basic lessons um like how there is an instrumental version on a lot of 12 inch records. Do you feel that art is lost or do you think people still, you know, do that in DJ sets or do you still do do that in DJ sets? Well, I I'm I think I'm I'm fortunate enough to have learned um at a point where you had to like it was crucial for you to have doubles of a song. Like if you really wanted to get in and out of the song correctly, it meant that you needed to have an instrumental version of it, you know, ideally an a cappella version of it you know, the vocal version, depending on if you're doing radio, radio version, like mm. you needed all the tools and the 12 inch was that. But if you only had one, it proved to be a little bit more difficult because you, you know, you'd want to transition between instrumental, vocal, acapella, and sort of bounce around. So knowing how to do that with, with records, when I was able to transition to Serato, it made it way easier because, you know, now you could, all the files are there and or that moment on a track where there was like a four bar or an eight bar sort of open spot and maybe that's the only part of the instrumental you could have it made it really difficult to to you know to continue that thing going you had to be really fast with your next record or whatever now in serato i could just hit loop and that thing is like coasting and i could so it allowed me a little more breathing room to like pace a set so you know there's moments in vinyl sets where it was so frantic because you you know the the break's going to end and you just have no way around it like you have it's it's do or die you have to nail it and Sometimes you wouldn't nail it, and sometimes you just have to like, you know, figure out how to navigate around that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think learning those things early on was was crucial to allow me to uh, transition into Serato really easily. And I think it's interesting now because um, you don't necessarily need an instrumental. You don't need some of these things. Um, you can even create your own instrumentals or create your own tools, your own acapellas and things now. Like the technology is way more advanced, where you have a little more ability to. To, to really navigate or you make your own edits. I mean, like that's, there's the door really wide, was wide open, but I'm grateful that A, I was learned how to, I learned how to beat mit, uh, match on 
two uh, records with two records that both had live drummers on them, mm. learning how to sort of like speed up and, and learn a record and get into it, sort of feel it versus like paying attention to a grid in front of you. Those kinds of things, um, I don't think people are really sort of doing, but they're, they don't necessarily have to. I just always felt that it gave me a little bit more of an edge when I transitioned to digital because I, I had these sort of like, you know, when, when the digital wouldn't work or something, you could always sort of rely on the skills you learned in the analog world to mm. help sort of compensate. So if like you have a, a, a beat that transitions or something that doesn't fit on the grid or you run into some sort of hiccup or somebody bumps the table or some sort of thing that would offset your performance, you knew kind of how to how to bounce around that, you know. It's actually really funny you mentioned that. Um, when I first uh, like met, was introduced to you was an uh, Azerbaijan for the three style finals. Yeah, yeah. And I'll actually never forget there was a, a, a thing that you did with Dead Prez Hip Hop, mm -hmm. and you played the song, and then you needed to transition from like seventy seven beats per minute to, I guess nineties. And what you did is you actually flipped. The oh, I remember that on yeah, forty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it put it, put it up to like a ninety-five BPM. Yeah, thing. it was well. That yeah, that so that was a thing. Like I used to do that with drum and bass records, and the opposite. Like a drum and bass record would be on forty-five, and it'd be cooking it like double time or whatever. But um, if you put it on thirty-three and pitched it all the way up, you get like a hundred and twenty-eight out of it, and you get these like sort of breakbeaty things. So it's, it's, you could sort of like if you're in a drum and bass set and it really wasn't working, you're like, how do I get out of this? I could just turn the power off and then it slows down then you hit it 33 and you hit you know sort of start again and then you just sort of pitch it up and it'd be like this manual sort of into this sort of pocket and it's like these sliding into different tempos it was the same thing with with dead prez where i think it was i i had to put it on 45 to make it go faster right so yep. it was at 77 this is real we're doing the real dj nerd <laughs> shit if you've tuned in this is real uh, anyway, so I, yeah, I, I turned the power off to slow the platter down so then I could manually wind it up a little right. bit and then hit 45 and, and powered and start again so it sort of caught where I knew. It was. It's, it took a couple times to really finesse it to get it right. But um, yeah, that was, I love doing shit like that. Yeah. You know, just different different things. Utilize the technology and, and use it in different ways, you know? Yeah, that, I mean, I was like, I was like, holy shit. Like, I it's saw awesome it. awesome that you caught that. Yeah. yeah some, some people, it goes over their heads. Like, it, if you've done it right, nobody notices. Right. Right? And then, Totally. Know, it's yeah. usually the case with most things. Like, any little nuances. I was talking to uh, A-Skills about this. It's like the little nuance that we really strive for in the song or the, you know, the remix or the thing that we just pine over, like trying to get the thing exactly right. And people wouldn't know that we're like, you know, trying to make some sort of wordplay thing. And it takes like three hours to do this little thing that really six of us are like, that's cool, man. You know, and like nobody else gives a shit. And, yeah, but that's important. Right? But it, but if that's the thing. If, if it's if it's not pointed out, you mission accomplished. Right. So and uh, I, I think I just come from that school of like trying my hardest to uh, to to make all those little bits feel like they're just natural you know what i mean that leads actually leads me to one of the questions i have i really wanted to ask you and it kind of stems from i mean i think you've spoken about it on panels and you know often at places like three star and and other conversations we've had at jeff's place and things like that where you have really gone out of your way at all your shows to kind of do something special yeah that uh, you just want to talk about that because i know that that like every time i've seen you it almost feels like it's a different set every time yeah, I mean, some parts are the same. You know, there's there's bits that you keep because they work or fans want to see you do that mix. You know, I've become, you know, done a couple mixes that were really famous or I've recorded and people want to hear that. It's, it's it's almost like your song. It's almost like going to see Guns N' Roses and, 
you know, we want to hear Sweet Child of Mine. Well, okay, there you go. But here's, I might be on a blues kick. I'm going to play all this blues stuff or mm. drum and bass thing, whatever the hell vibe. Um, but I, I will say like the thing that I, I think early on kind of happened around the uneasy listening days uh, in the like sort of late 90s, early 2000s. I got to a point where I was enjoying DJing. Like it was, it was a job. I was getting paid off of it. It was all I was doing. But I realized that I was playing at some of these clubs where all they really wanted was the hot tunes of the day and they didn't my what I could bring to it or, or what I could add to it or my skill set that I felt was way cooler than just playing those songs was not really being appreciated and or just overlooked in general and I would go and I play these things and I'd get paid but I'd leave there feeling like I didn't really get a chance to express myself that was the first sort of realization of like I'm doing what I want to do but I'm not doing what I want to do, doing what I want to do, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I th- right. I think that's really... And and it's funny because I see, I see a lot of people today even struggling with that. Like, you know, exactly. they're, they're, you know, they're getting paid. They are DJing. They're not bagging groceries somewhere, so that's cool. But they might not be doing it exactly the way they want to be. And how do you get sort of past that stage? And for me, I, it was kind of a sort of a fuck you moment. Like, I'm, I got I to gotta do this. And so I sort of pulled a ripcord did these you know mashups and was sort of going down that road just because that was kind of what I was doing at the cooler events that I was playing at and I found out you know from people responding some people really hated it and there was a moment where I was like kind of you know boxing myself out of the scene but there was moments where people would come up to me and be like yo that thing you played that you know Pink Floyd thing I might do three hours and I might sprinkle that Pink Floyd thing in and those people would come and be like that Pink Floyd thing is amazing like I played for three hours and that was the one thing that you caught on to. So I was like, well, it might not be for everybody, but there is a group of people who appreciate it. So how do I tap into that? And how do I weed out from doing the masses? And there was a big transition period there of like almost having to restart a little bit. And like I would do the 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 gig to make the money, but it was basically started to funnel into like my own weekly that I would throw that was like, I'm going to do this whether four people are there or not. Like, I'm just going to do this because this is where my heart is. And eventually I was able to offset it a little bit. And, you know, that to me was sort of like the big transition. But to your question, it, it's like in watching all the DJs play, if there was a, a, you know, four or five DJs on for that night, you're talking about like one set of turntables in a room at a club or a rave or a backward, you know, wherever it was, um, I would watch, I'd see what all the people did. And I was like, how can I stand out from them without, you know, just, you know, coming up there and really like banging a drum and being, mm-hmm. you know, stupid for the sake of standing out. But how can I sonically blend in or blend out of what they're doing into my own thing and then bounce past it back to them? So people would come up at the end of the night and be like, man, that was a cool night, but that guy who did the thing have something that sticks out and i feel like that's important to do anytime you're doing a performance or anytime you're djing if you can implement that in that's the thing that i think most people who you know are are uh, music people or who give a shit or are paying attention will lock in and go that person's special because i had a moment where i realized that it was a little bit above the fray of what's normal yeah and that's crucial i think i think like for any dj you know, you want that because the more of those you do, and if that's really what's in your heart, not just do it to, to be a spectacle, but if that's really what's in your heart and that's your sound and that's your thing you're trying to do, eventually you can detach yourself from the mainstream and find your own branch and hopefully a new career and a new angle and be like, you know, because look, most DJs I came up with, we all 
did weddings. We all did corporate parties, whatever. And that's how you got money. But like some of the people I came up with just stayed there because it was good money. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just, I found it was like, I got to get, I got to separate myself. And how do I do that? You know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, that sounds to me like establishing identity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, like every time I've seen you, there's always been something special. And I know that you've said, like even when we, when you went to Chile, like you found a record, for example, that was that you you asked around with the people that you were there with, what's the hot like local hip hop tune or something in yeah, Chile, yeah. and then you play that record, yeah, and you know I, you've done a special blend or or this that and the other thing, and I think one of the things you touched on, you you actually said that you just you started doing your weekly. I th- I threw a weekly with uh, my crew back then, which was. Uh, bomb shelter DJs. That was me, Emil, and Radar, and we would set up six turntables. And so, like, I had the I had the the gig that I was making the money in. This is Arizona at the time, um, which was uh, I was at this spot called Jets and Sticks, and that was like the, you know, the the bottle service, if you will, club of Arizona at the time. So I'm playing like mainstream stuff uh, on like a Friday, Saturday, making my money. But my Wednesday was with my crew and that's when we were just playing whatever we wanted so it was a great arc because we'd set up six turntables and we'd sometimes would play you know um all at the same time and doing just you know different variations or two of us would would uh would rock and the other person would be you know whatever we sometimes bring in a drum kit mcs whatever it was but we always had this thing of like sort of open whatever happens happens and there was a lot of freestyle elements to that and it was great because people would come in and we'd play like we all love down tempo chill stuff. So it's like to be able to play the opening set, we sometimes would fight over it cuz like, you know, I want the crowd when there's 10 people in the in the bar getting their beer and I'm just playing the most chilled stony things that I love but like for people who are, hey, this is kind of cool. Like yeah, people would come up, "What is that?" and be like, "Oh, it's this record." And you know, like so we always wanted to have the opening slot because playing the power slot where everyone was dancing was great too, but there's something about playing, you know, chill, down tempo, you know, trip hop at the time or whatever you would call it. And so we, we love that stuff. But you got to see the arc of the night. And by, you know, by the next couple hours or two, you know, people would come in, start dancing a little bit. Then the B-boys would show up. We'd have a B-boy circle. And it's like we'd have these things. And, you know, I had Shadow play there at one point. You know oh, what cool. I mean? A couple other people, Cut Chemist, Newmark, some of those guys would come out and play. But we were always doing this underground thing because it was our release and we didn't give a shit if again four people showed up or four thousand people showed up but the thing is it became such a weekly thing that we developed our own sound and our own style and that you know the chipping away at it allowed me and us but you know definitely me within the group it allowed me to not have to worry about you know the 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 money gig so much as i'm you know maybe not getting paid the same amount but i am getting paid and this is this is going somewhere Mm. So it allowed me to turn down other shit to focus in on the thing that I wanted, the fire I wanted to feed. And I think um, that's kind of w- why it worked. But, you know, I, I also want to touch base on this. And this is something that I still feel to this day. And, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. But, you know, in the DJ community, around the, you know, 96, 95, whatever it was, um, I really, you know, I was I, things were starting to bubble for me in my little world. You know, the return of the DJ series that I did on Bomb Records, some mm. of these things. Like, they were first, things were starting to happen. But um, I remember I did a song, Rockstar, and it was all rock records within the, on the uh, DJ compilation on the return of the DJ. And like, all the other songs were all like 
scratch routines, kind of four tracked or whatever, or routines that people would did and they recorded them and that was it. But I was like, since there's going to be all these hip hop based ones, I'm going to do a rock one because I grew up on rock records too. And so I did that and it made a whole bunch of noise for me, but it also sort of separated me from everybody, maybe not necessarily in a good way, you know, because at the time, like I wanted to be included in the hip hop community. I, I am a hip hop head. So, but I also loved rock, but it also sort of pushed me out. So I've always kind of had this weird sort of black sheep thing that's always attached to what I am because I don't necessarily fit into a box, you know, in a good way, I feel. But for most people who need to quantify, you know, I would always struggle with that. Like anytime I would go through like uh, security with my records or whatever, someone would be like, oh, you're a DJ? What radio do you do? I don't really DJ at a radio station. Oh, so you do weddings? No, I don't really do weddings either. Uh, you know, what do you do? I have festivals, clubs. Oh, cool. What kind of music do you play? And you're like, I can't answer that in the, you know, two seconds it's going to take for me to package up all my stuff and catch my flight. And so, you know, oh, I play a little bit, you know, it's hip hop bass, but it's really, you know, a little bit of rock and some, you know, so I mix acapellas. It's like, I can't fucking explain that to somebody who doesn't know. So I've always had a problem with being this thing that I can't really describe or you can't, you know, you can't put it into a, a, a category so much. Even when mashups, that wasn't even a term we really said it was we were just blending records it was just more selection and how you selected but um i've struggled with that you know when people come up to me the bet the here was my 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 easy way out was to look at them and go you know when they get to that point of like well what do you play and i just sort of like because i'm like i've got three seconds to answer this and my flight's taking off i'm like i look at them i go I play the best music you've ever heard in your life. I'm out. You know, it's like, I'm gone. And it's like, leave them going, oh, shit. Drop the mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> drop the fucking, drop the metal detectors wand. But, you know, but it's always been an issue for me because it also, you know, it's it's allowed me to have a huge stance as far as genres I can dip into. And I love them all. It's not like I was doing it to, to be, to be, you know, for spectacle's sake. It's that I really do love house music i really do love drum and bass and funk and rock and you know spoken word shit and whatever i mean i love music mm -hmm. right so there I, I when we would do these weeklies i was constantly trying to bring in other records you know and, and and push the boundaries and we also would play these these sort of tricks on each other which was i also amazing because we it helped us but like i would bring in these prog rock records that would be like these 15 minute long like jam sessions where the drums would change up time signatures and shit and i'd we'd always do this thing of like okay i'm gonna leave you with a record and you got to mix out of my record and so there would these be these things where like you know uh, emil might drop on me like this you know weird time signature of some electro richie houghton track that i'm like i don't i can't find the one you know, it's like, you know what i mean so you but it forced you to 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 learn how to transition right. and you know that for us the common goal was dead air was the enemy like you can't stop the party you can't stop the the, the continuation of the mm. vibe and so again having six turntables that was kind of the deal but um what's crazy to me is you know we've also now evolved into a situation where you know the the ongoing vibe of the night has been superseded by the um you know the the lack of a better term the celebrity if you will of who is playing the time slot the genre the thing you know next to this person so while that's cool i like diversity <clears throat> diversity all day the thing that i struggle with is nobody covets that transition right as much as we did and it, I almost would look forward to that because, again, I would get there maybe to wherever party I would do. And I'd get there a little early studying what they didn't do so I knew 
what was kind of still on the table and then also simultaneously going, well, how the fuck am I going to mix out of that? What records do I have that's going to allow the crowd to still vibe, but I'm going to slowly steer them somewhere else as opposed to that person stopping going, cool, thanks, I'm done. Yeah. Dead air. Next person, hey, guys, how you feeling? And it's like you get these segments of bricks of of performances, and that's where we're at. You know what I mean? It's not like I can wave a magic wand and change that, but I really love the days of being in one party centrally located downtown wherever and one set of turntables and you know you'd bring your records and we'd all have our crates set up and okay man here i'm i'm two more cool i'm gonna leave you this cool and seeing how the other person sort of harry houdini'd their way into their sets and also you know transitioning to the next person there's an art in that and that to me you know being being thrown the curveball of what the fuck do you do with that we don't you know we're not really doing that and also by the way it, it you know there are times where i might not even know or even like what that person's doing but the way they left me and the way i got into it or whatever i found an appreciation for that you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it made me go oh you know what maybe i fuck with that a little bit more i might you know have a conversation with them afterwards and be like that song you left me with what the fuck was that or you know dialogue now two worlds you know usually house guys or whatever i'd have these conversations with them and it would be in- intense and start picking each other's brains but because we, our world's, you know, musically touched for a minute, you know, they were forced to. And then they also would see me do my thing. They'd be like, oh man, you know, I just wrote you off as a hip hop guy. It's like, no man, I buy house records and do house sets. I buy drum and bass records and do drum and bass sets. It's just, you don't know me as that, you right. know? And that's kind of a problem I, I still deal with now. Like, you know, it's funny. I talk to people within the industry or whatever. And it's like, you know, I told, I did a house set the other day for somebody and they were like, you did a house set? I was like, yeah, I haven't done one in a long time, but it was the shit. Yeah, I've seen you do like dancehall and reggae. Yeah, sets. man. Yeah, yeah, I got another one coming up. I love that. I love doing um, sets that allow me that almost force me to to get in my bag and like go down in a, a, another path mm. because that keeps those you know keeps it sharp, keeps my my musical diet healthy. It's funny too because um, when you when you're talking about you know how you uh, describe yourself as a DJ. One of the things that we talked about with Kenny and Jeff on this podcast was that hip hop at one point didn't exist in the way that we know it yeah, now. Yeah. And it, it was in fact a combination of genres. Yeah. And and not even genres really, but parts of records that didn't really fit into one genre. There yeah. was jazz, there was rock as was a big part of right. it. I mean I mean I think that's one of the great things that you kind of I, I see that you do is you, you definitely bridge that gap. You know, you've you've a lot of rap artists you know like i mean from run dmc you know their whole king of rock their the yeah. rock rap yeah. group yeah. and then you know rage against machine which obviously you, you know you've done things with uh mm-hmm. and and public enemy there's there's samples of rock records even wu-tang have you know electric yeah. guitars and yeah. stuff in there and their samples and it's not necessarily so cut and dry i think i think that was one of the really interesting things to hear from someone like jeff and and these guys it's like we just play music we just play good music yeah and it doesn't really matter where it that comes was, from. That was the blueprint. I mean, that's 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 where I jumped on. Mm-hmm. You know, I got on board when you could hear a James Brown thing next to a Kraftwerk thing, next to uh, a Billy Squire thing, next to uh, you know Heart, next to you know Curtis Blow, then Run DMC, whatever Cold Crush. Like, and and you know Cold Crush not only emulating. Um, you know, uh, rock records or disco records, but emulating like show tunes, like doing a Gilgan's Island theme routine, like whatever they do, like something. It's like the people reworking 
pop culture or whatever exists and flipping it. And mm. that to me was what, that was a genius. I was like, what? You can take all of it and present it in a way that's centered around drums and rhythm? Yeah. I, I grew up as a drummer. I was like, this is my shit. This is my, I could, speaks to me. So I got on board then. And I think again, around like the, the 2000s, I was disenchanted with the fact that the club that used to be the the the, the sort of, a melting pot of of all styles of music and people you know they might not fuck with a certain thing but they appreciated the 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 variety and they looked forward to it and they were interested in that eventually it got refined to a sound and sort of a a thing and that was associated with like hip-hop is this mm. and i understand that people needed that but it was kind of you know i think it was it was actually 93 when I when I first was like I sort of had the the moment the the realization and it was um I bought Naughty by Nature's album 1993 right and I I listened to the record and there was like a couple of the hits that were on the record but I didn't love the record as much as like I loved their first record right and you know that was just my taste not knocking I, I love Naughty by Nature um but at that moment, I was like, this is a specific kind of sound and things are kind of sounding a certain way and that's what's popular and that's cool, but I'm still wanting to fuck with other stuff. Mm. And I realized like, wait a second, I need to I need to somehow not just be in this pool. And that was, that was it, listening to people's mixtapes where it's like the art of mixing songs was the mixtape. You know, mm. it wasn't just having new hot exclusives strung together with gunshots. It was an art of tapestry of weaving different styles together. And when that kind of all these things started to happen around that time, I was like, the thing that I love and that I grew up on and that I, I was excited about is is becoming less prominent in the thing that that is the vehicle. You know what I mean? And so I. I I think that was kind of the time where I was like, I got to figure out a way to, to still stay true to the thing that I loved and, and was engaging with and, and was interested in. And there were still people who were doing it, but I just that's when I started to see the paths kind of split or the, the tree start to branch out into different branches. And it's like, oh, well, I can fuck with some of those, but I really still, my heart still lies over here. And so there's a, there was that whole sort of like, you know, people dissing R&B and hip hop and like, mm. you know, and it's just kind of weird because it became sort of a uh you had to choose genre politics yeah, yeah you know and that even happened with like you know there'd be like i remember uh when dj shadows record came out like that was a hip-hop record but there weren't any mcs on it really you know so it's like the fact that there's no mcs then they lumped it into the trip-hop world and it's like well what is trip-hop that's a whole thing that was created kind of like mashups were created like to me this is all under the umbrella of hip-hop it's just yeah different and you know, now it's even, you know, it's gotten even deeper with like, you know, drum step or fucking, you know, whatever rhythm or, you know, so whatever, like just different, you know, different kinds where it's like, I understand it's a way for somebody to identify with a certain specific thing they like versus maybe something they don't like. But um, when you do that, I, I feel like while it's great and pure to have the thing, the extract of the of the tree you really love if you focus too hard on that, you alienate yourself to all these other amazing possibilities of things. Like there was a moment early on where I was like, man, fuck house music. You know what I mean? And that was a pretty popular, like, yeah. I mean like early, statement. early, early nineties. It was like, you Sadly, know, yeah. but the fucked up thing is I was like, yeah, fuck house music. But I would also listen to WBLS uh, in New York and, and hear, 
you know, these people playing on the radio and mixing disco records into these other records and being like, that's kind of cool though. Like, so I'm like, yeah, fuck it, keep it real, but that's cool. <laughs> but so I was conflicted even in my own. And I remember at one point I was like, you can't, you can't say fuck a certain style of totally. music. It's, it's just, it's well, it, that I was gonna say that's the great thing about what hip hop brought. And I, and I think I was saying to, to somebody the other day that, like, yeah, like I like JJ Kale because. Because of hip hop, I don't yeah. even like country music like as a rule. But yeah. I, there is things that I like because of hip hop, yeah. um, and I got introduced to it in a way that I, you know now I now I realize I do like this genre because right. I found an artist that speaks to me. And uh, yeah, and I, I also just on touching on that house statement, I think that that was kind of like a hangover from the the disco sucks. Yeah, yeah, and that was like more of a socio political kind of. You know, what, you know, it's crazy. I, there, there was that. I mean, I think you know, it's really easy. F- Again, why I think I'm a bit of a black sheep in the sense that I just I've always been kind of in my own path, for better or for worse. But I, it's so easy to fall into the masses of you know the the sort of the dialogue of the day. You know mm. what I mean? Ah, oh, fuck that. Yeah, man, fuck that. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, like I remember there was a moment where dubstep was really starting to pop and people didn't identify. We're like, fuck dubstep. It's yeah. like just this whole thing of it because it's unknown to you, you shit on it. You know what I mean? And I think that's, you know, I understand where that comes from, but I just don't really subscribe to it, yeah. you know? I, and and I think that mentality has kind of fucked us up a little bit because people, you know, this jump from genre to genre. It's like, oh, B-more is the shit. I'm a B-more DJ. And then it's no, you know, now what are you? I'm, a, you know, fucking this DJ. It's like you keep, as opposed to just being open to it all, yeah. you know, I, I'll, I'll even go a step further. And this is something that it's kind of, I have just a different perspective on this, but like the the concept of no requests, like I get the frustration of having somebody put the phone in your face or ask for something really stupid. And I will even say that probably 80% of the time, the request is bullshit. But I've had times where I was cooking, things are going good and somebody came up and asked for something and I was like, that's fucking genius. Why didn't I think of that? Holy shit. And I play it and it fucking kills. I'm like, fuck, that's awesome. Like, I look like a fucking, like, I just came up with that. You know what I mean? It really is that guy in the fucking green hat over there. Like, he was the, you know. Yeah, it's so, not simple. Um, the, the concept of, like, of, of sort of putting a block up to no requests, I understand the frustration with it, but I also don't necessarily subscribe to that because, to me, I just don't like the idea of no. I think no is, is it like, no, it's just an immediate turnoff. And that was sort of something that I went through in in within hip hop, there was a moment where I was in this sort of keep it real stage, and we were all like, "If it ain't that, it ain't real. If it ain't this, it's not real hip hop." And I was sort of proclaiming myself to be like the filter of what was or what wasn't something. Right. And I, at the moment, I, I was very steadfast in like believing like underground hip hop is the real, and this is not. And at the moment, I was young, so I was impressionable, but I also stepping away from it a couple years later, a few years later, I remember somebody coming up to me and being like, man, you know, I really loved your mixes and I really enjoyed going to see you play, but I really didn't like your vibe when it came to not incorporating other things. Like you had this, you, you kind of put me off to like, no, if it ain't this, it ain't this. And, and I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize like my passion for this music that I really wanted to keep pure to what it was and what I liked. I was so passionate about it that i was alienating other people from even getting into it mm. it's like anything like politics any any kind of thing where you're like 
you know, fuck them, we're better, or fuck that, we're good over here. It's like you, you automatically know, you automatically just put up a physical barrier between bringing people in, which is what you kind of want to do. I want to expose you to this music. I want you to appreciate it like I appreciate it. And if I am saying no, no requests, no, you know, fuck house music or fuck whatever, it's like then I'm alienating the the world's connecting. And that's and I realized that it totally went against what is inside of me. And I was struggling with it. And like, you know, again, after that happened, I sort of reevaluated everything. I was like, you know what? You know, there are times where I'm like, fuck something and I'm passionate about something to a degree. We all are. But the concept of not being open to including, you know what I mean? Or hearing another perspective or another person's point of view. You know, I, I can still feel what I feel, but as long as I'm not alienating and saying no, I, I just don't like that concept of like, no, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it, you know, in the DJ community, I see a lot of people rally behind that. And I think that's awesome because there's a steadfast of like, we're going to keep it real. We're going to keep it, you know, there's a camaraderie and like, yeah, we're all dealing with this, you know, the drunk, you know, Becky with her phone. But, um, there has been times where it's totally worked for me. Yep. So I could never, I could never alienate it as a whole. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I totally so, agree. Yeah. It's it's it might not be the most popular way to think about it, but I you know I just you know why why turn away a potential great thing? You know what I mean? Of course, yeah. I mean that's that's a pretty big learning. I think it's a really diplomatic approach too. I mean, there's obviously going to be a time where you can't you have to kind of say like no, and there's a sure, reason sure. for that. Oh, always, always. But yeah, it's good to be not totalitarian yeah. about these things. That I, I was gonna that kind of leads into some of the things like some of the learnings that you've had. You know, you've been in the game for for a long time, and I was just kind of you know interested in kind of learning about some of those things that you've really grown and matured with the industry. Sure. Obviously, requests is one thing, but there's many other things about working in the nightlife that brings challenges to your personal life, your relationships. Sure. Um, did you want to speak on on those? There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of different. You know, whether it's physical or mental, financial. Um, you know, your, uh, perception or, you know, how you are in the, in seen in the DJ community. There's a lot of things that people care about and, uh, a lot of things people also do, um, to hurt themselves when it comes to, you know, some, if not all of those things. And, uh, you know, I can only speak to what is my truth and what I've noticed. And, you know, it's funny. I feel like in this day and age, when somebody who's been in the game for a minute speaks on it, people tend to get real polarized again. We're in very much a, a world where it's like, you're either this or you're that, yep. you know? So it's a very sort of sticky situation. And I don't necessarily try and just, you know, put my my stuff out there. But like when asked, I, I have a perspective and if people give a shit about it, I, I, I'm so cool to share it because maybe it would help them. Well, most, yeah, you know what I mean? we, so, there's not a lot of mentorship in, in this. No, there's definitely not. I mean, well, that's the pro another problem. It's like, you know, um, <laughs> Back when there was only like 20 or 40 of us in in a scene at a town, wherever, it was a little bit easier because there was still space for you to maneuver and navigate and like healthy competitions would arise. But, you know, now that there's 340 of us in that same pool, everyone's clinging on to like whatever it is. And, and you know, I understand that, especially if you've cultivated something, you don't want to lose it to some herb who just comes along and will do it for $50 cheaper than you, whatever. But... um but the passing of information and the camaraderie within this circle, I feel, uh, is a little in jeopardy. And even more so in different genres. Like, they don't speak to each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, they don't, they don't really communicate. It's not like, 
you know, there's a big potluck where like, oh, the trance guys and the fucking, you know, dubstep dudes and the, you know, whoever all come together and we all just vibe. It's, it's, those days are kind of gone. It might be, you know, in some places, not that I've seen it, but if, if we could share stories with each other, we'd be so much for, you know, better off. And I've had to learn a lot of things on my own. Um, so to your question, let's take, uh, um, health, you know, being a healthy DJ, just being out and being able to do this. I've been doing this 30 years ish, more or less. I don't know. I mean, at some point I kind of just know I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> so I just sort of clocked out, stopped logging it. But from the early days to now, I've gotten to see certain things and how they affect me over the years that I would love. I can't wait to pass on to young people because I wish I had it when I was coming up. The only guys I had were like, you know, some disco DJs or people who were there kind of, you know, a couple hip hop guys before me. And um, I studied them, read books on it. You know, last night a DJ saved my life. Read that book, a great front, book. front to back, yeah. you know, highlighted shit, research records. You know, I'm always sort of was a student as much as I could be. But, you know, one of the things that um, I'll give you an example Um you know, health on the road, when I first got my sort of breakout moment, nobody ever told me about um, uh, um, riders, you know, and having like a hospitality rider and having it filled like, oh, hey, you're coming to DJR Club. Well, you know, what do you need when you're not on stage or when you are on stage? What gets you loose? What gets you in the zone? And this has been going on for years. Like, you know, um, people will just will provide for people who are watching who don't know like the promoter or the club owner or whoever would provide you with stuff that you know if you're hungry and you've been on the road i can eat before i play because i might have not had time from the airport to the whatever or you know here's some drinks to loosen me up and um I, nobody there's no like handbook that said well this is kind of what you're going to encounter so one day i remember i mean this it sort of happened around the time i i was opening for lincoln park and that was like I started working with them and opening for them and, 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 you know, connecting with them before their first album really blew up. And it was sort of right on the cusp of it cracking off. And so we went from playing like, you know, 300, 500 person venues to stadiums in like a couple months. Right. Wow. And all of a sudden I'm rolling into a stadium. They've got, you know, 13 semis and, you know, eight tour buses and I'm on one of them and we'd roll in. And I remember, you know, my manager going, well, what do you want, you know, to, you know, what's going to make you feel comfortable? Ah, oh, some cashews, some beer, some rum, you know, whatever. It's like, I just, whatever you want, it's, it, it's, it's endless, you know, it's anything you want. So I had this big spread and I went to my first show and I was like, oh shit, a full bottle of rum. I'm like, this is awesome. I poured a couple, whatever. It was like, screw the cap on. And I was like, I'm taking this back to the bus. Fuck yeah. Was, I got a full bottle of rum. <laughs> it's a party. Yeah. Put it back in the bus. Next day I show up. There's a whole new spread, new bottle of rum. Like, oh, fuck, I got two bottles of rum. This is shit. <laughs> Fucking stockpiling my, my bunk. And I'm new. I'm, I don't know this, you know. Third, fourth, it's always replenished. So this thing is always there. And it, by habit, I just became habitual to want to go to that bottle because it was always there. And it was cool to drink and party and chicks and backstage or whatever. So this became a thing that was revolving around my world that I didn't even know crept in. And nobody really taught me how to deal with it. So it's like I went through, you know, just battling the 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 readiness, the readily available, you know, uh, drinks, which is, you know, I still drink and I, I'm not saying don't drink, but the fact that nobody told me that this is always going to be there. And boy, by the way, if you want more, we can even up it, mm. you know. Oh, you want some Coke? You want some fucking this? You want, like, what gets you in the zone? Yeah, I, you know, I'll find somebody, weed this, whatever. And, and 
as an artist, as a DJ, you kind of get this other treatment that other people don't get, and it's always there and it's always on. And I found myself falling into that that role and not really having anybody else to sort of reach out to and go, hey, what happens when you have six bottles of rum on your bunk and you, you sort of realize, holy shit, I'm, you know, this is a thing, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I'm drunk every night. Like I didn't have a soundboard. I had to sort of navigate through that on my own. And you're on the road by yourself, right? Typically. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd bring like a, a, a tour manager or somebody else on with me. But, you know, again, if they do the same thing and the people are partying and the backstage passes and the girls and, you know, whatever, and you're, you know, you're young and you're chasing pussy and you're fucking hyped and you're, you know, you're opening for one of the biggest bands in the world, sold the most records that year. Like, it took me a minute to understand, like, my career went from here to this, but I, because it sort of did this arc, I, there was no real way for me to, to wrap my head around it. So, I mean, again, many, many years later, after going through and battling, you know, some issues with that and like, you know, dealing with alcoholism or just dealing with, you know, the abundance of that being around and, and trying to figure out how to navigate through that over the years, I figured, okay, well, I, the pendulum's got to swing another way. So I started like figuring out how to be a little more healthy and doing juice cleanses and the benefits of, of, counteracting that it was a little later on in life but you know i found i found the excess was here and the good was here and i found a way to sort of be in the middle now and over the last you know whatever 10 some odd years and but it just took me longer to get there because there was no you know there wasn't a sort of a something in place and nor would you know i, I can't really speak on it because i never went but you know nor did i think an aa would have a specific kind of dj community you know what i mean yeah. we were all still like coming up at that time djing was starting to really sort of bubble so those kinds of things it's like i i like sharing um that with people but i also like i want people anyone who's watching this or anyone you know whether you pass this link to somebody else whatever it is just to know that there there are other people in the community going through that because i felt i was alone i didn't have any 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 point of reference mm. but you know other people have been going through that and are still going through that and you know look at you know avici we were talking about is a yep. good example of like excess you know am was a good example of that you know what i mean here's a guy who was on top of the world but had these demons he was wrestling with and like you wouldn't know on the surface because the surface is the gig you're doing the gig you're getting your money friends will know but also you know there there wasn't really an infrastructure set up well like and that kind of really isn't really now really i mean people are a little more open to talk about it i would like to think but I you think know so, yeah i mean on twitter like i know that you said there's no real like you know, people don't get together and chat about these things a lot. But Twitter, I find, is like one of these places where I had definitely get involved in these conversations. Yeah, yeah. And people share kind of like advice and uh, experiences that, you know, I think we a lot of us can relate to. And um, it's like the sounding board for these things. But even to your point, like Avicii, I mean, it seems like, it, you know, he, yeah, he had his tour manager. And his tour manager was depending on him, right? you know, to get more money. Right. So whatever they need to do to kind of keep him at a level where he's just functional yeah. until he falls apart. And then, I mean, that's the craziest thing is there's no investment in. There isn't. And and the thing, I'll, tell, I'll say this, the thing that I realized, um, again, later in the game, but I realized, and I still, and I've, I've sort of followed with this um, since I kind of came to the realization, the power of no is so crucial. And I say that on many levels, like, Set a set a thing with yourself. Okay, I've got five gigs this this month, right? And they're all big gigs, whatever. 
I'll drink two out of those five gigs, right? That's my, my balance. So I'm going to say no to those other ones. Take it a step further. Um, hey, uh, we want you to DJ this gig. Well, the fee is this. And I know where my fee is, but they're coming in under. And rather than try and negotiate and like find the thing, it's like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Why? It'd be a great look. It'd be great to do it. In fact, I'd love to do your thing, but this is where I'm at. And if this doesn't get met, then I can't really fuck with it. And that's my, that's my no. And not saying it in a, in a shitty way, but like knowing, the, the, knowing your value, knowing your worth as a DJ, knowing your worth as your health. It's like, hey, man, I need to get some sleep. I need to get, you know, I'd love to go out and party with you guys and go see this DJ or support this. But it really is crucial for me to get a good night's sleep because I got a whole bunch of shit coming on. Or, yep. you know, those kinds of things um, are not easy to say. You know what I mean? And, and people think that the repercussions of them are going to be like, oh, well, that dude doesn't drink anymore, you know, whatever. Or, you know, oh, if you're Mr. Moneybags, you, you know, you, this is your, you, you won't come down from this feet. It's like I've, the worrying about the response or the reaction to it, I used to, be, I used to be a little apprehensive about that. Now, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, it, it, it makes your value, your personal value go up scarcity is good everything and then when you do those things you're more like I, i've definitely i can relate and i find that even by doing less when i do the things that i do agree to do i'm more i'm better at you're them. more invested yeah yeah and i commit and i'm really like present for that well it's interesting because it's the arc right as a as a young dj coming up it's the opposite it's the power of yes yeah fuck i'll say yes to anything i'll <laughs> dj on the fucking corner i don't give a shit I'll, what you want me to do a mixtape here's three mixtapes you know what i mean like whatever it is like you're trying to get put on so you're about hustle go grind whatever any opportunity knock it out bang it out put my name up there i want to be perceived as this and the thing is you fall into a pattern of just doing that. Mm. And once you sort of get to a point where things are good, man, slow the fuck down, stop, take inventory. You don't, I, for me, I didn't know how to just stop. And by the way, if I stopped the amount of fucking trains that, you know, on my train is just going to, it's like a pileup. I'm mm. about to get hit with all this shit because I haven't turned around and dealt with any of it. And that was something that was kind of big, man. I, I, um, you know, on some real shit, I, uh, I was married, went through a divorce, and that was kind of a moment where I took inventory. You know what I mean? I broke my collarbone snowboarding, and it was this moment of like, it had always been on 11, volume turned up, go, drink, go, fuck it. Yeah, make that money, go to that party. Oh, yeah, I was going to take this weekend off and go do something cool. Oh, you know, they added an extra, you know, 20 grand to that fucking thing. Cool, I'll do it. Fuck it, let's do it, man. Oh, they upped that? I said no at this fee, and they upped it to some astronaut. Fuck it, let's go no perspective it was just go when i when i broke my collarbone and had surgery it was like the hand of god sitting me down and going sit down for a fucking minute time out motherfucker like take inventory what matters what doesn't matter what have you been running from and it was sort of a sobering moment for me that's when i started doing the 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 cleanses that's when i started going to the gym a little bit more and just also realizing what i did and didn't want to do you know what i mean like there were certain clubs and parties and venues that i would go and play because the money was great but i fucking did not like being there you know what i mean and i made it work and they wouldn't have known that but i knew it and i would get on the plane and go back home and be like am i doing the most useful thing with my time am i doing what i'm, I'm set on this planet to do or am i just being a whore right now and that's who the fuck says that to themselves especially when you got this crazy money coming in but it also had gotten to a point where 
I've been doing it so long that I created a nice little cushion for myself financially, stability in the scene that I could do that. So it went from the power of yes to the power of no. Mm. And I'm probably at the power of like, you know, I've found my balance. So I'm sort of maybe, maybe it will, maybe I won't. I don't fucking know. But like, I know the power of both and I know what matters to me. And so I would have to say the last six years or so um, of my career have been the most, um, I've had the most fun because I'm doing really what I want to do. And I'm, and I'm, you know, it's funny too, because once I carved out space to not do things, all the space that I had was starting to be filled with things I really loved. And it's like, I had the power to do that the whole fucking time. And I didn't realize that, you know what I mean? Because I was in this pattern. And it's funny because it goes back to some of the things like on Twitter and things like that. Like I'll see these conversations that people are having or this dialogue or pros and cons of, you know, nightclub, you know, DJing or, you know, routines versus this or, you know, um, and it's just kind of interesting to see the perspectives, you know, it's like, and it's also kind of hard to, to chime in because, you know, there's a level of wisdom I have that I could totally like, I could give you a pearl of wisdom here, but at the same time, if it's unsolicited, that's me going back to my old days of being like, keep it real. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to turn you off. Like if someone asks, I'll talk about it all day, but I'm not, you know, I'm also like, you have to find things on your own too. Of course. Like, so yeah. Sorry, to, that was long winded. No, as no. Fuck. It, <laughs> I think that's really important though, and and also it kind of goes into the other question I wanted to ask is like how, of when finding the going through those experiences, how has that kind of affected your creativity, you know, and longevity as a DJ? Because I feel like those things are kind of intertwined, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, let's let's take the most basic thing of um of digging for music, right? When um when I was doing gigs that I didn't really enjoy as much as I do now, um, or doing more of gigs that I didn't like, I like, it's, it's funny, like doing a bottle service club is kind of fun for me now because it's not something that I was locked into for a few years steadily doing. I somehow found myself locked into this because it was lucrative and, and whatever, but now I'll do it. It's kind of like having fast food or having like, you know, the, again, the, the moderation of I'm going to have this deep fried, shitty for me but it tastes so amazing so fun and i'll have fun with it but then i'm going to go over here and and have this really nutritious meal doing this thing so have the the ability to cheat and like go down and do the bottle service thing and just get completely submerged in um in you know whatever the current thing is of that whatever the the variation of that is whatever the hot tune is at the time completely like oh this came out fucking 10 minutes ago check it out whatever the fuck (laughs) fun but to live there isn't isn't awesome so well yeah you can't eat fast food every day you can't so um but again there was these moments where i found myself digging for uh whatever the hot tune was of the day and realizing okay this works but i'll never play this again and so there was these moments of like realizing oh shit so it's funny i I did this recently um just on a whim you know i was running out of, of of space on my computer and i was like man i gotta clean some shit out and i went through and i typed in like pitbull he's fucking on everybody he's on every fucking song you know and there was a, a moment where he was on everything dolly and then i'd have like yeah everything <laughs> fucking everybody you name it, he was on it and i have nothing against pitbull i think he's actually he's sort of like a, a on a complete side note i think it's genius his hustle and everything yep. he became what he has become he also loves dj and like uh his globalization radio yeah show. He's, yeah he's a big dj fan. It, and and also miami and the latin thing like there's so much levels of of things that i i do appreciate about him but there's also plenty of songs that i just don't really care for yeah. and at the time 
having, you know, the Pitbull version of whatever. So I just went through and I deleted, you know, out of 150 songs that had Pitbull on them, I kept like maybe eight, you know? And those are the only eight ones I really care about that I like or have something that I routine or a bit or cool. And the rest of them I just chucked. And I did that with like so many other people and so many other artists that I was like, why the fuck, did, why is this taking up space? And then now I'm feeding my computer with all these things that I really do enjoy. And again, it's a metaphor for me carving out space to be playing venues where I'm playing these things I really enjoy and people are coming to see me do what I do and be me. And so it's like that thing of like, I'm in a much better place musically. Uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, being inspired or being creative. It's like, that's what's allowed me to do that is by carving out this, this shit that like, it took time. It wasn't like I just, well, right, I'm not going to do these clubs anymore. It's like, no, that was for a moment was bread and butter. But like, carve out that space it allows me to do some more things that i enjoy you know what yeah. i mean it's finding a balance of some sorts right? balance is key people i mean look i again not to be fucking preachy or anything but balance is the thing i would say at this point in my career it took me that long to find it you yeah, know it's, it's, it's like thing. fucking getting a mix like you whoa too fast too slow oh shit oh and locked in okay now we're riding it that's my career. That's it. You know what I mean? That's and cool. and to and to know like you can't just start a mix and be like, oh, it's on, unless you're on, you know, quantize or some sort of thing. But like, <laughs> that's not you. That's not the Jedi in you. That's you know, that's the things around you allowing it to be. It's different, man. When you when you when you also have something to sort of lose and you have the ability to not, you know, saying no is scary because it is. There was also moments where I I you know I turned down a lot of shit and was like. Fuck, you know what I mean? I, I I need to, I need to be doing the thing I want to do, but the transition isn't easy. And you know, I, I think anybody who's going through this, it's like, as a DJ, if you're up there and you're DJing and you're not enjoying it, you're not, you know, how do you get to a place where you are? Mm. You know, I mean, because there's nothing worse to me than, than hearing a DJ who's just unhappy sonically. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can definitely tell. Yeah, I I I can, you know. And there's a difference between someone who's super stoked. I might even like, there might be some music that I might not even technically enjoy, but if the DJ's having a great time with it, I'm way more open to like being into it because there, there's some passion and mm. bits and pieces in there mm. that I'm like, oh, this is, what am I missing? You know, but when someone's just like, fucking, bleh, it's, you know, or it's, it's like, there's, there's all these really grumpy dudes that are DJs and, you know, I, but that can be said about anything. A grumpy fucking. But that's why you got to say no, right? So when you're at your, you're at your best, right? I I mean, for me, again, these are things that work for me. Yeah. I don't know how it works for other people, but I I found the path and it's worked for me, and I'm stoked, you mm -hmm. know. And and I will also say this, I'm incredibly grateful for all the people who have been on the journey with me. You know, people have supported me because that's the other thing too. Like, it's just gotten to a point where I really just give a fuck about that more than I give a fuck about impressing anybody. And I think if you can lock into your crew or your squad or your people that enjoy what you do, that's really where you need to be. You know, there was a moment where you, I was trying to sort of like be a little bit of everything to everybody. And I realized that's also not really who I am. So, you know, why, why, why fuck around? Like just lock into your, your people and give them what they want. And hopefully more people come on, be open to, you know, new and, and new breath of, of fresh air, new blood coming into your circle and not no, 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 mm. being open to it. And your shit's, you know, it's just going to overflow. People are going to be stoked. And if it's from a genuine place, that's to me is how, it, how it, I like it to be. Mm. 
There's uh, a couple of things I wanted to run through quite kind of quickly, yeah. but just kind of like highlights that that I I think are worth talking about. Sure. Um, and one of them is kind of twofold. So you're mentioned in a Frank Ocean song, Novocaine, yeah. famously. Yeah. So I I really want to know what like that experience was like for you, and was there any do you, did, was there any dialogue with Frank about that? Perfect. No, in fact, it was funny. A friend of mine, um, when that came out, I, I, like around the week it came out or something, a friend of mine was like, "Dude, you've got name checked in this Frank Ocean song." I'm like, "I don't know what that means. Like, I didn't know who he was or anything." And sent me a link to this tape, a mixtape, and I downloaded it. And I was like, "This is guy's fucking dope." And then the song, you know, I was like, "What? He name checked me?" It was like, "That's surreal, right?" It was like, "This is really fucking bizarre." And then that thing blew up incredibly and i was like holy shit it's like it was one of those moments you know where it's like you weren't really looking for it and then it shows up and you're like oh shit that's kind of cool man that's like a, a little less sort of immortalized moment in a in a turning point in someone's career and uh i remember the year that we um closed out the grammys me ll uh uh, Chuck D, Tom Morello, and Travis Barker. We closed out the Grammys one year. And that year was also the same year that Frank Ocean performed on the Grammys. And I remember at one point, um, he was like maybe six seats up from me and they were doing a commercial break and I saw him. I walked up to him, I was like, yo, dude, it's Z Trip. I was just like, thanks for the shout out. He's like, oh, hey, man, cool. And we just like for a moment and I was like, hey, seats everyone. And I was like, okay. And we all just sat down. I was like, it's the only time I ever got a chance to really rap to him. But it was like, it was just kind of like, yo, man, thanks. That was solid. Like, didn't see it coming. Appreciate it, and it's it was it was dope, man. It was it's a kind of a big deal, man. It is. And now, well, he's headlining, right? Oh man, uh, uh, Coachella. That's right. And you played Coachella. Yeah, yeah. full circle <laughs> moments. How about that? So cool. Yeah, I did. I did Coachella four times. Four times. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. And um, also, I, yeah. I remember you played. Uh, I saw your DJ City mix. Uh, I came to your when you performed, and you actually played one of the. It was a really odd song choice, I thought, but it was a it was a total ballsy move. You played uh, the solo, which is the Andre three thousand verse off Blonde. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's like f- fuck, man. I mean, come on, Andre three thousand's just genius, and that verse is is deep. It's just wild. That's a wild verse. If you don't know it, you should. Check. When you're done with this, you know, new tab, search, whatever, find that shit. It's it's a. He, that's incredible. That's an incredible verse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, but Frank Ocean's dope, man. And, and um, actually, around the time that came out, I started doing a little more recon on him and found a whole bunch of stuff he had worked on prior to that. And so I've had all these things that you could find at the time. I don't even know if you could find them now. Maybe you can. I'm assuming they're probably out there. But um, yeah, he. I started doing a lot of recon on him because I, I was like, how do you know? I want to be able to play him in my sets and stuff. And incredible prolific you know artist and you know just to be to be a, a little piece of that is kind of dope man super dope. shout out to frank ocean man definitely yeah big. and coachella too i mean yeah same, to- <laughs> same. coachella's huge golden voice what's up <laughs> yeah but so you played four times and just talk can you talk about like what that's like playing i mean yeah it's definitely a different it's not a nightclub environment so no no i mean the first time i played i think it was like the second one they did or something i played like a tent early on um and you know it was i want to say it was one stage and one day or maybe it was two days i don't even remember but it was it was it's it was in its smallest stage stages as a festival um the next time i went back um uh i want to say yeah it was i i played and and brought beck out 
at the end of my set, and that was like a completely unannounced impromptu moment. And it was crazy the way that one came together because um, Paul Tillette, who is the head of Golden Voice, um, we were in a in a golf cart going to one of the tents, and he's like, "Man, I'm," he's all stressed. I was like, "What's wrong?" He's like. Man, I got Beck here. He wants to do a surprise thing, and I don't know where to put him. And I was like, put him on my thing. He's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah. And so I was like, we could do a jam together or something. And I, by the way, if you don't know me, I love collaborating. I love jamming. With, I love impromptu. And, you know, that as an artist is great because it keeps the blood flowing. You don't know what you're going to get. And, you know, I enjoy that. So um, basically, uh, as I was walking up to go on stage to do my set is when I met Beck. And I was like, hey, man. We should do uh, where it's at, two turntables and a microphone. He's like, yeah, cool. I was like, how about I run a, a break beat? We'll do like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and you know, whatever, double chorus at the end or something. He's like, yeah, cool. I'm like, great. And that was his bass player, and you know, Justin, as I met him, I was like, cool, so you got a bass player with you? I was like, cool. All right, well, all right so I'll run the beat, and we'll just, you know, I'll, I'll play the song, and then I'll stop it, and I'll be like, hey, you know, whatever. And so he's like, cool. And we just bang, pound, bam, done, like in a minute. And I was like, I got on stage. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen with this. <laughs> Did my set, played where it's at, stopped it, and was like, you know what? That's a cool song, but instead of playing the song, how about we bring Beck out? And we just do it live, and the people are like, oh shit! And this is like when Coachella didn't have guests announcing. Like there wasn't these moments, but brought him out. Um, did that. I think the next time I, I went back, I brought out Chester uh, from Lincoln Park. He and I had a song together, so I brought him out as a surprise guest on mine. Um, and then the the year or a couple years after that was the one where um, Jay Z played, and I did the that was the 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 Frank Ocean moment. Wow, Coachella, that's it. Yeah, fucking amazing. That's crazy. Uh, the other other thing I wanted to ask about was you touched on it a little earlier was uh, working with the Motown catalog, remixing your remix of Jackson's Five. Want you back. Want you back. Yeah. I mean that's like a it's a DJ classic. Yeah. But. You know how? Wh why did you choose that song? What was it like working with like the Motown catalog? It's like well, a sacred kind of. Yeah, I mean that was look. I, I was um, uh, Harry Weingar was the guy who was heading that up at the time, and he reached out. And I think there were a couple tracks that had already been spoken for, but that one was open. I was like, let me mess with that. They sent me the multis, and, um, and that was one of those. It's such a a. a uh, a, a tune it's such a big tune it's such a you know a coveted piece of of i mean it's motown like you can't fuck that up right so i sat and i listened to each track soloed percussion guitar bass drums you know hi-hat of the drums like everything so i just listened to and i just listened to each, each pass by itself to really hear what was happening on each thing and it took me you know minutes to do that but i remember like i would put it on and i'd like walk into the other room and i remember i was brushing my teeth and this guitar lick happened at the very end of the guitar stem. And it was just a little turnaround moment. I was like, whoa. And I just dropped my shit, ran back in. It was like, isolated that, looped it up. I was like, fuck, that's awesome. And so I put that at the top and built my whole remix around that. And that became, you know, and then I put it out there. And I really also tried to stay very true to the essence of what that song was, is. Mm. Um, but adding some punch to it and making it some sort of, you know, I was inspired by Kenny Dope's version of It's Great to Be Here, which they released a couple years earlier. It was like a Japan only remix and he pumped up the drums. I was like, I got to do that because that's a, the shit. And so I was able to do it and um, it came out and, you know, people really loved it. I, was, I also did a, a Motown mega mix that they couldn't release, but it was, um, we serviced it as a, as a promo 12 inch. It was like a nine minute mix of Motown songs that I did kind of like a mixtape and um yeah it was received really well man it was you know it's uh 
that was that's that's actually still the only vinyl copy I keep next to my Serato records in the crate, just in case I run into the same problem again. <laughs> you know, it's probably chewed up as fuck though. I should probably like swap that out for the <laughs> a mint copy. It's it's been around the world that thing. That's dope. Yeah, man. Um, and then um, I think it's pretty it's uh, safe to say that working with LL Cool J must have been must be a huge highlight for you, dude. Like that. Look, man, that that also changed me as an artist. Um, first off, it's it's LL, you know what I mean? Like, I, I grew up listening to him. I've been a fan of his. Um, You're both from Queens. Both from Queens. There's a lot of connections there. A lot of, um, you know, a lot of, yeah, a lot of history, you know, in me watching his arc, you know, from the jump, from early Def Jam records. And um, when we connected, it, it, the, the moment we got on stage... And um, actually, even the moment before that, when we rehearsed for the very first time, I, I, I'd asked him to, to do another surprise guest thing for me at South by Southwest. Um, and he agreed. And when we started rehearsing, the chemistry was was just like amazing. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where we both were like, this is we should do this more. And um, it's really good because, I, you know, it allows me being being a, my own front man in my own career mm. has been awesome, but I really also enjoy being able to play the back role and have somebody up front. And who better than to back, you know, who better to back than LL Cool J? You know the what goat. I mean? The GOAT. <laughs> like hands down, this guy, um, you know, and by the way, so that's, you know, that's just our chemistry working together. And we've been able to, to roll that into, you know, doing stuff for Rock the Bells Radio, which is uh, Channel 43 on Sirius XM, if you haven't, if you're unaware, but, um, great, tell, you know, great shows. Thanks. It's, it's, I mean, by the way, a, a lot of that goes, you know, it, you have to credit him cause LL is very hands-on with it, which is really why I think, um, it's, again, it sort of speaks to our dynamic, you know, he's front, I'm in the back. I'm able to sort of whip up the things I need to do to make it be, you know, what it needs to be from my, you know, the things I'm touching. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, you know, I, I, so I was going to say like on top of just our chemistry and, and, and the synergy that we have and the things that we've created and how awesome that is, you know, um, the the Grammys, me, me doing the the Kennedy Center Auditors uh, segment for him um, with uh, with Buster Rhymes and MC Light and um, uh, Black Thought and DMC, like and that coming together, sort of, you know, being able to do all these great things is awesome. But outside of that, he's a fucking really cool dude. Like he's a really good person and. The amount of game I've just soaked up just by proxy, just by being in the in the same room, has really helped shape me and put things that I value into perspective. And it's you know, I'm you know I I love that dude. He's like he's like he's like a brother. I feel like you know we have this this um this connection that is 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 great. But you know, it's dope because I get to do I get to just DJ and get into that zone and create and produce and 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 that and you know when we did uh. New Year's, we did Times Square, New Year's Eve. Oh, that's right, yeah. Incredible, like, you know what I mean? Like, that was a that was just incredible. And the lead up to it and all the stuff that we did on the back, you know, working on things and working the set out and everything, he's he's such an, he has such an attention to detail that I do that it's just, I have so much respect for his arc, his career, his path, what he's done has been amazing. And, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome to work with that dude because he's, He's really good people. He's good, good team, good crew, and um, you know, I feel like we're just also getting started. I feel like every time 
I feel like we've hit a, you know, a, a monumental thing. We all of a sudden break another wall and another ceiling. And it's just, you know, it's, and it's kind of dope too, to be honest, that it's, it's all, you know, based around classic hip hop, which is exactly the thing that the diet I grew up on. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm, this is some, you know, <clears throat> some, some bullshit. It's like, this is in my veins and I know it and I speak it and it is my truth and it is his too. And so, I mean, you know, sinking that energy into the station, you get that. You turn on the station, you hear it. It's there. It's not like, you know, somebody phoning it in. It's very real. Well, man, I mean, I saw you. Thank you again just for getting me to come to the show that you guys did at the Staples Center. Yeah. Um, I think it was BET, BET Awards a couple of years back. That was single-handedly one of the best hip-hop shows I ever saw. And it's like what you guys achieve as, you know, DJ and MC, which is the holy, you know, combo yeah. of what, you know, DJing and is really. DJing yeah. and, and yeah. rapping is. It's that relationship. It was such a. It was also. It was, it was impressive on so many levels because dude's got so many hits. Yeah, he's a great MC performer. Mm-hmm. Like he has stamina. He does the whole show. Yeah, he goes back. We keep keep. You keep hitting him with hits, and then you keep as a DJ. It's all working. To, it's yeah. It's one of the best. Well, that's shows that's there. what I'm saying. It's 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 a very pure experience. It's exactly how it should be, mm. and that's the thing to me that I covet that because that means the world to me. Like I don't. You know, it's just me and him up there. There's no hype man. There's no, it's just us. You know, we might have some dancers or some things pop off, but the core of what's going on is we're doing it and we're doing it live on a, on a, on a tightrope. There's no like, you know, it's, I'm running all the tracks live. I'm scratching. We're doing rock and doubles. There'll be, he's calling audibles. There's these James Brown moments that happen where it's like, I just wish people could know what was going on because it's fucking intense. But like, I'm bred for that as a DJ I'm in my zone. I'm, I have all my, my tools around me to do whatever we need to go at a drop of a hat. And, you know, there's been moments where it's like, oh, Fat Joe's over here. I'll bring him out. Oh, yeah, you know, run all the way up. Oh, shit, all right, boom, that's on. And now we're there. Oh, shit, okay, cool, fuck it. Like, same the, the same way it would be in a club, you know what I mean? Same way it would be in any environment that I grow, grew up in, you know, audibles. Oh, this so-and-so's here. He wants to battle so-and-so. Fuck, it's on, let's go. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the B-boy in me. It's all there, and it's and and it is with him too, and and you know to be able to, to be a part of that has been amazing because we've done some, we just done some really really crazy shit, and it's and it's um, I gotta say it's it's watered my, my plant, you know what I mean? My my hip hop plant was 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 thirsty for, for the essence, you know what I mean? I in these days, it's very it's harder to get that. You know what I mean? I, it's hard to find. Like there's certain artists that are, are have still been doing it, and certain places you can go to get that that essence. But working with him, I get a direct dose right in the arm, one thousand percent, right into my bloodstream. And it's like, you know, I come off stage uh, sometimes with him, and it's just I can't really describe it. It takes me a few hours to sort of wind down in the hotel, just on some like, you know, the b boy music. Like, oh, right, where are we going next? Let's go. I'm ready. Hype. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for hip hop to still do that to me, like I feel like I'm 16, is, you know, all thanks to that cat, man. Awesome. Big up LL. Well, I think it, that leads nicely into this other question I really want to ask you. And that is, you know, you've obviously played festivals like Coachella. If you could make your own lineup. Oh, wow. <laughs> Who would be on the Z Trip concert? It's tough, man. We've only got like fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. To be honest, man, I mean, I would have to really like. I can't just answer that. That's like, 
what's your favorite three records? I was like, oh, I got to go back and like, I'll get back to you in about three days. You know, I can't just do that. I mean, but I, you know, ideally what I'd like to do is I'd probably have one stage or two stages next to each other and just go back and forth while one's setting up the other ones, you know, but it would be the most, you know, bugged out, you know, some heavy metal thing next to a, a drum and bass thing next to a Tibetan throat singing moment and to a, you know, you know, B-boy, uh, you know, fucking, you know, some, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then, I don't know, some Bjork, just yeah, fucking all over the place. You know what I mean? It would have to be, but ideally the best way to do it is if I was there with a set of turntables and leading into the next person and leading into the next person, that would be, I'd have to sort of, I'd have to mix it. That's how it would be my festivals. I couldn't just be like, all right, you play, you play. It's like, no, you got to fucking come in on this drum break. You ready? You lock in. You know what I mean? It would have to be the continuous mix. You know what I mean? And then maybe at the end, we all get on stage and fucking play a, a meter song or something. I don't know. That's dope. <laughs> I got to see this. I got. I want to see Yeah, this. yeah. I don't know. Well, let's, let's work on it. You yeah. and I. Let's petition. <laughs> if you want to see that, hit like and subscribe. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Thank you. We were going to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, no, that would be dope, man. Cool. Um, speaking, just to wrap this up, though. Yeah. We were talking about this before you came, but that's a really cool hoodie. Uh, MF Doom. MF Doom. Yeah. Um, can we just talk about Doom for just a hot sure, second? Sure, sure. Favorite Doom tracks? We were talking about. I mean, you had a couple. Yeah, I I love Saliva. I think that's one of my favorite tunes. Um, and it's also RJD two doing the beat. That's there's a there's a, a certain something I, I love about that. Um, Mister Clean, I think is a it was another one of my favorite tunes. Um, you know, the mm food is, is pretty much everything off that, I, I, you know, I, prolific, the rock cocaine flow Ooh. with De La, I mean, like the dude's prolific, you know, if you want to take it back to the KMD days, it's like, come on, man, you know, really specific MC, really dope, you know, and a lot of people don't even know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, one of my favorite doom stories, I don't even know if this is true, but it was told to me and I thought it was kind of the most genius shit. It's kind of like on some cool Keith shit. Um, uh, <laughs> there was this moment where people were talking about how D doom was sending out like fake dooms to do shows like imposters like so with a mask with a mask but he would just lip sync to his thing but like you can't tell behind that mask yeah you couldn't but there would be you know uh, they, i guess he found a guy who's kind of his same built wore the mask i don't again i don't know how real this is or isn't but Apparently he'd be like in you know New Orleans or whatever doing a show and also simultaneously have a show in like San Francisco. This is back when you couldn't really you know it was was it was harder to, to track this down. You know it wouldn't be like oh there's a IG a, live yeah whatever yeah. So but apparently that was going on. I thought that's fucking genius. That's like you know sending out your who knows if either of those were the real doom because a mask. <laughs> it's like could be he could just be sitting at home fucking playing PlayStation and like caking off like it was just the most genius like I'm going to send out my minions to you do You need my, to get a Z-trip mask, man. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> well, think about if you think about it like anybody who who's done that, you know, Daft Dead Punk. Mouse, Daft Punk, you know, Blue Man Group, it's who the fuck knows who the fuck they are, you know what I mean? Like and I think there's a, there's a certain genius to that. Like I'm I'd be lying if I wouldn't say that I was jealous that it's like you don't even know. Daft Punk could be just chilling in france somewhere and like two guys are up there just fucking roboting it or whatever <laughs> touching shit you don't know true so you yeah know. but i love that i think that's there's a there's ageless yeah yeah i mean it's age. funny like even even the the the, the argument um sometimes not to open up another can of worms but the argument of like you know us as djs being technical and you know i'm a fan of anyone who's super technical but there's also a level of 
you know, you see some of these people and they've made it necessarily work without really having to do that. You know, if they go up there and hit a couple buttons, like there's a part of me that wants to hate that, but I kind of can't if it's working and you're making your money and you guys are all cool with it. It's not my cup of tea in the technical side, but you know, there's just this, again, I don't, I'm trying not to be a hater on anything anymore. Like there's just, there's no room for it. It's like, if, it's, if I don't fuck with it, I just don't fuck with it, mm. but I'm not going to be like, you fucking, you ain't doing it real. Like, you know, the B-boy me wants to say that, but it's also, you know, in this day and age, man, I mean, who's to say, what's you know, right or wrong? Yeah. I yeah. mean, if, so I, you know, I have what I like and I know what I like and I, and I subscribe to the things that I enjoy and I try and push the culture uh, that I enjoy and I try to rep for that culture and I try and, you know, be a part of that in any way I can. But, um, but, you know, ultimately I think all these things boil down to, you know, to the indiv- individual and the crew or the squad that they sort of have around them. And it's like, if you are, if that's your community, good for you, man, you know? Yeah. Who's to say what's, what's right and what you should, shouldn't do or, yeah. well, I guess the law. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. <laughs> Outside of that. Yeah. Even that's uh, for debate. Yeah, now, especially now more than ever, the law, courts, things of that nature, politics, it's crazy. Musically, though, it's it's subjective art, right? Well, yeah, I mean, completely. I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, and, um, you know, I've, and I, it's funny because in some of those instances where it might not be the thing I want to promote, I will always try and find something that I enjoy in it, or at least if I can relate to it. And... You know, here's a good example of, of something, um, a story that uh, that changed my perspective. Um, when we were going out and doing the um, the 45 sets, uh, me and Cut Chemist and Shadow, the product placements and the brain freeze and that whole right. thing, um, we took that around the world. You know, I think it might have been one of the first 45 tours, right? Yeah, well, at least I was aware of it. That I know of. I mean, yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I, you know, I think that was the, one of the first ones. But we went to um, UK and uh keb darge went on before me and i'd never met i met keb darge that night and i didn't really know much about him and here i am with all my records with you know stickers on them doubles you know all meticulously laid out with my set super technical like fucking everything and keb darge went on and he played a record and he got on the mic he's like this one's you know with his accent this one's you know a real stomper from you know from wherever you know india or something and played this track and people were like yo it's amazing and as the song started to end it just faded out and he got on the mic he's like here's another one from there and this is a real killer and he plays it and it's like starts and just plays and i was like he's not even fucking mixing oh my god three songs four songs in i was like this is fucking bullshit man like this is he should be mixing. He should be, you know, what, what's, you know, the, 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 the youth in me was like, fuck that. But fifth song in, maybe even third song in, he had the place on their feet, losing their fucking mind, murdering, killing it. And I'm like, I'm doing too much. I'm doing way too much, man. All this shit I'm doing way too much. He's just playing the fucking song and he's selecting it. I was like, head blown cracked i was like wow all this shit that i thought matters doesn't matter in this instance and that was a moment where again a lightning bolt of like okay i'm still going to do what i do and i still am going to push this culture however this guy brought 30 records and played them i think that comes right back to what you were talking about earlier though right that like that's his identity 
And it wasn't sure, that yours sure. wasn't right. It was that's sure. your identity, and people w- want to see that sure. from you. And you kind of created that for yourself. But that's his thing. Yeah, exactly. And, not, and you're like you said, neither are wrong or right. It's right. just that's working for him. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that, that whole thing of like when you get into your own lane and you're feeling yourself and you're really all about pushing this culture, you know what I mean? Like there might be battle DJs who are like, well, I only fucking do battle shit. And they're yeah. like, oh, well, cool. And there's like reggae guys. I only do the reggae thing. It's like, okay, cool. But like to be able to appreciate and take something away from every genre of music and every DJ has made me a better DJ. And I would hope that everybody out there do the same thing because, you know, you may not fuck with that, but it may teach you something. Like, just because you're a master of what you do doesn't mean you're a master, you know, in in the big scheme. And to me, I'm always curious about it. You know, I'm always curious to see some young cats flip it, you know. I love when technology becomes easier because I get to see some shit that makes it easier for me. Will I just sit up there and, and hit records? Not my thing. I'm, I have to, you know, by default. But, you know... When I did the house set, you know, a couple months ago, I, different approach, different, you know, you're, I forgot how fun it was to have like three hours of, you know, and you're only playing, you know, 60 records. You know what I mean? Like that's fucking fun. Like the journey and the holding these 60 far, you know, bar beats together and mixing and dipping things out. And it's like, I have time to like smoke a cigarette up there, or fucking, you know, check my whatever. It's like. As a battle DJ, you don't have time for anything. You're like, bang, 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 bang. And it would sound bad if you tried to do that with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so to, Respecting to, to understand that, same thing with, you know, doing a reggae set. Like the the idea of, 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 you know, rocking a rhythm for four records or whatever. Like all these things have made me become a better DJ. And I'm grateful that I love the culture of DJing so much that, you know, it allows me to absorb all that. I, I think it's crucial to become a master of all styles mm. you know what i mean like that's the ultimate goal mm. don't just become a, a a a master of your style you know what i mean become a master of all styles so that way you can be the most versatile and cover the most ground and extract what you like from each mm. style and funnel it into your thing so you're a little more well-rounded and you can also adapt to whatever you're at like i reading a crowd and understanding like this this thing is what they want and I thought they wanted this, and so I prepared for this. But they really want this. Fuck. Okay, I got to change my direction. And in order to get them to where I want them to be, I've got to really massage them a little bit more to get them over here. Mm-hmm. But to do that, I can't just hammer them with this thing. I've got to, I've got to change the path now. It's mm-hmm. all happening in real time. So I'm going to give them a little bit, win them over, and then go over here. And it's sort of a master of you know the, the 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 martial arts the feng shui of like doing this to go there mm. that's crucial i think as a as an artist if you want to have um longevity and want to be able to uh thrive in any environment you would want that tool you know and it's i i just knew that early on and i and i love all different styles of music so much that i still collect and still you know, try to do a drum and bass set here or a, you know, funk thing here or whatever, you know what I mean? It just keeps me, keeps me excited about it, you know? Final question. Yes. What does the power of music mean to you? <sighs> You're kind of talking about, you know, having this conversation and controlling, you know, crowds by giving them this. And yeah, I think, I mean, freedom, I think, is, the, is what, what, the power of music means to me it's it's the ability to have freedom it's given me freedom to live on this planet and to share music with other people and have these other people um 
be into my perspective and into my skill set. Um, it's given me freedom to not have to work a nine to five. You know what I mean? It's given me freedom to be able to um, to look at things and be my own judge of how they should sound or how they should be presented. And, um, you know, it's it's given me the ability to do that. You know, music has. And I mean, very, you know, in the balance of the, the yin yang to that is is you know, crowds and, and, and fans and friends and, and people who've supported my, my path in conjunction with the music, those two things have allowed me the freedom to do, um, to do, to do this for a living and to be able to share it and leave something behind and, and hopefully inspire people and hopefully push boundaries or make people rethink their approach to DJing or what could work or possibilities. But, uh, yeah, the power of music is music has allowed me you know, at, at the end of the day to have freedom and, you know, musical freedom and, and freedom in, in the, in, in the workplace that I work in. So very, very grateful for it. You know what I mean? I, I, I there's, there's not a day that, that goes by where I'm not, you know, aware of the special uh, environment that I'm in and the people, you know, I mean, shit, I, I got to spend the day talking to you about this stuff. You know what I mean? This is amazing. And I, I, I love being able to share and I, you know, it's, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm forever a fan too. Yeah, you know? it definitely shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if the funny thing is, is if 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 I wasn't if I wasn't getting paid to do this or I didn't make a living doing this, I'd still be doing it. You know what I mean? If I worked at the post office every day, I'd come home and log some hours. You know, making mixtapes or whatever for my for me or for you know for my people around me. I just have to share like I always want to be like, oh, have, you haven't heard this? I got to play this for you, and I always want to hear what do you got? Like, there's the swapping of music, I think, is you know, again, it's it's the freedom to to be able to to give and receive, you know, and hear the most, get the most of that stuff in my ears before I leave this planet, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming, Z. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm glad we could finally do this. Yes. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to you, Z. Big up, Serato. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. And um, yeah, I guess it's dinner time. Down for that. <laughs> thank you guys for sticking around to the to the end out there. I see you and you. You down there. Shout out to Sonny. Shawnee, Sonny, man. Shout out to Sonny. That's the dude right there. Turn the cameras on that. Hold on, hold on. You know, while we do this, while we're still recording, hold on, hold on. You guys don't even get to see this part, but check this out. What do you know about this? Hold oh, my on. God. Hold on. What do you know about this? Just missed it. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. This is what's happening. Behind the scenes. What do you know about this light right here? What about that, that light over there? I've been looking at that thing the whole... I'm blind. That's Matt Perry. I'm Z-Trip. This is Serato Unscripted. And we're out. <laughs>